Praise the Lord, everybody. Man, Sunday is the best day. Love to be in the presence of the Lord and love to be in the house of God. And uh, I do feel the touch of the Holy Ghost here today. I, I hope you feel it too. And if you don't, you might want to pull your feeler out and check its batteries. Your batteries could be dead on your feeler. But uh, it's so good to be with you. You can be seated for just a few moments. I'm just going to brag for a little bit here. Uh, because the Bible teaches us to give honor to where honor is due. And uh, we would be remiss. And I think that we would possibly even grieve God if we didn't just give honor to where honor is due. But I want to first off commend this church for your faithfulness. Um, and that's all right. You ought to just put your hands together for the person next to you. And I, I want to commend you for that. And um, we had the honor and the privilege of coming here back in the, the very beginnings of this church um, when the Bobos were first here and be in services here and to see. And we, we were friends with the Buxtons and came and did a marriage uh, retreat with you all but never came to service but watched from afar. Social media is a real asset right now. You can see things. And uh, sometimes it's not an asset, but in this case it is. And we got to watch from a distance and see all the blessings of God upon your life and to see what God is doing in this church. And I'm rejoicing with you today. And uh, we're celebrating the victories and the progress. And the beautiful thing about it is God is just getting started. Just getting started on you, on me, on this kingdom. And we rejoice in that. And I have so many things to say. have long, long time friends here in Carson City and, and the Seawards, which were friends with my parents before I was around. And then me and their son, Tony, grew up together. And uh, we won't even talk about all that stuff because that was B.C. That was before church. And um, we were raised in church, but we didn't get much church in us for a while. But God was merciful, and I love and appreciate them very much. They're, they're like, just feel very comfortable to be around them. It's good to see him. And uh, so many people. And then I'm just going to brag on your pastor. Is that all right? Yeah. You should, you should be glad about that. I thank God for Brother and Sister Hood. And I thank God for the connections, the, the intertwining of the kingdom of God. You know, if we'll just all walk with God faithfully. He has a way in time of, of exposing all the areas that he worked through. We didn't even know he was going to work through. And uh, years ago, 1979, to be exact, I had an older brother killed in, a, in a, an accident. And uh, my parents decided that they were going to memorialize him. And so they went to Costa Rica, and we, our family did, and we built the church there for the, the work in Costa Rica, in San Jose, Costa Rica, and dedicated to him. And I believe that's the church that Sister Stephanie's family came out of. And Sisterhood's family is still active in ministry. I thank God for his paths and the way he leads us and of course it's always such a blessing to have my wife with me and uh, we're glad that she's here love her this is an incredible achievement um, to be able to to stay in the fray for three years and we appreciate brother and sister hood for their burden and their passion for this valley and for what they're believing god is going to do through you in the future and I hope you're looking to the future and the best is yet to come that's what I tell our church back home I'm going to do my best today 
to convey what I feel the Lord put in my spirit several days ago. I was praying about this and just felt God drop uh, a, a thought for this, this celebration today. And uh, my message is uh, not for correction, but it is for edification. Um, sometimes we don't, we, we don't always understand all of the workings of God's spirit and how God leads and how God moves. But if we'll just stay in the flow and stay committed to the kingdom of God, stay committed to the things of God, time has a way of revealing that God's hand was on us the whole time. And you look back and you go, I didn't even know. I didn't recognize, but I can see it over time. And, and, and I don't have time this afternoon. I know Brother Hood said that um, I, I'm used to two services, but I don't preach both services. So I only preach one. And uh, the older I'm getting, the more I am getting over my preaching. So it's, uh, we're going to do my best. And I don't have a very complicated thought, but I do have some things to share with you today. Some things God put in my spirit. How many of you got an open heart to the Lord today? Amen. If you do, let's stand to our feet. And let's open our Bibles, and we're going to go to the Word of the Lord, to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and I'm going to read one verse of Scripture out of the fourth chapter, Nehemiah chapter 4, and just one verse that God put on my heart, and I'm going to believe that God's going to help us today, amen? Nehemiah 4 in 6, and... It says this, so built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. And then the cause of this rebuilding is revealed, for the people had a mind to work. He says, so built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. The Lord would give me strength in the next few minutes. I'm just simply going to preach what God put in my spirit. The people that are harnessed to vision. The people that are harnessed to vision. If you want the Lord to talk to you today, would you just set your Bible down? Let's lift up our hands, which is a symbol of attentiveness and surrender and we're lifting up our hands right now and let's lift up our voice and I want you to say God I want you to talk to me today speak to my spirit God impress upon my heart God everything that you would have me to know everything that you would have me to hear God I pray that this sanctuary would be filled every one of us with an open heart with an open spirit God with an open, yielded mind to your will, to your purpose, and to your plan. God, we thank you for what you have done for us, and we thank you for where you have brought us to. But God, we thank you for what you're doing in us right now. And we thank you what you are for what you are yet to do in our church, God. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for the fulfillment of all of your promises. We give you honor and glory today, God, for you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. Amen. Amen. I tell you, I tell my church at home, don't clap your hands if you're going to keep your mouth closed. Don't clap your hands if it's going to allow you to be silent. But if you're going to clap your hands, lift up your voice and give God the praise.
Oh, we give you honor and glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am so thankful to be a part of the work of God in 2021. And I, I mean that sincerely. That's not hype or frivolous statements. I'm thankful to be where I am. I'm thankful to be in the middle of the work of God. Someone has been talking recently, and I've been listening to them talk about being careful to not burn out. And I say that's true. We need to, we need to be good stewards of our own physical, emotional, mental well-being. But at the same time, if you're going to burn out for anything, burn out for Jesus. I'm not telling you you should, but I'm going to tell you if you've got to. The work of God is such a powerful, powerful thing, and it is so much larger than what we can see or understand. The work of God is vast. It fills the whole world today, the whole globe. The work of God is being done. There are things going on right now. I've heard people say this, and I'll, and I'll explain what I was about to say. There's a lot of people say, well, why don't we see things? Why, are, why don't we see the book of Acts? Why don't we see miracles? Why don't we? And I'm going to stop and tell you right here, we do. We do. We don't see them every place all the time. But never think for one second that God's still not healing the sick, opening blind eyes. The lame are not getting up and walking. God is working and God's kingdom is moving. There are people that we will never know until we cross over the threshold of heaven into eternity. That today was the very first day they ever were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and began to live for God. So this kingdom is, is vast and it's expansive and it covers the globe. It involves so many people, so many things. And the most important thing is that the kingdom of God is not, uh, it's not on some supernatural plane. It's, it's in our hands today. And the kingdom of God is right in our hands. You and I have our hands upon the kingdom of God right now. We're choosing what kind of kingdom is going to be manifest in our city. We're choosing what kind of kingdom will be manifest in our life. If I really had time today, I'd talk to you, and I will. I, I'm going to tell you that uh, the kingdom of God is here with us today. And that revival is here with us right now. I'm just going to talk to you. Is that all right today? I'm just going to take my time and just share what I feel. The kingdom of God is here. Revival is here. It's, it's not some fantastic futuristic event. It's here right now. It's in our hands. Jesus is here. What are you going to do with it today? Are you going to wait for another time that elicits another level of emotion? Are you going to wait for another time when there's another song that really gets to you? Are you going to wait for another time when you have less to do after church? Or will we recognize the kingdom of God is here right now? Right now. In every service, every event, every song is a portal. It's a door for you and I to go into the kingdom of God and, and experience all that God has for us. Brothers and sisters, don't let your flesh rob you. 
Back home, I tell my church when something goes like that, I say, if you're cheating yourself out of a blessing, you need to slap yourself. Your flesh, your flesh will keep you out of the glory of God. Your flesh will keep you out of knowing the kingdom of God. Your flesh will keep you out of the joy of the Lord. Keep you out of the peace of mind. It'll keep you out of so many things if you and I listen to our flesh. And there's a war going on now just as it was in our text. Now, we're not going to preach the whole book of Nehemiah, but how many of you have ever read the book of Nehemiah? Lift your hands. All right, so you're familiar. For all those that may not be familiar, I'm just going to tell you it's a really good story. You should go read it. But I'm going to preach about a principle that's found in the book of Nehemiah that applies to every one of you and where you are right now as this church in Carson City. And I'm going to tell you that the story of Nehemiah is a story, very, very simplistic story. It's a story of a man and the will of God. That's it. It's about a man and the will of God. I can tell you textual, give, give you contextual scripture after scripture to give you some background, but I would tell you that even when you begin to read in the prophets, when Israel was taken into captivity, they were enslaved, they were imprisoned in Babylon, they were defeated, Jerusalem was torn down and burned with fire. There was not one stone remaining upon another stone. It was destroyed epically. And even while that was going on, God was speaking to the prophet. And he said, I, I know what you've gone through. And I know why you went through it. But even now, while you were in captivity, he said, I know my thoughts towards you. I'm not going to leave you there. Well, I just want to preach to somebody. God didn't come to this city to leave you like you were. God didn't come to this church to leave you and I like we were. He didn't come to just ignore our problems, ignore our failings, uh, ignore our issues, but he has a plan for us. Uh, he's looking over the expanse of all of our lives right now. And no matter how bleak it is, no matter how black it is, uh, no matter how bad it is, I'm going to tell you, in God's mind, he's saying, I know what I'm thinking about you right now. I know how I feel feel about you right now i think we ought to just praise god for that principle thank you god his mind is upon us come on you ought to just thank him you ought to open your mouth and say thank you god that you've got your mind upon your people right now hallelujah and in the midst of this god's plan is being worked out we don't always see what god's doing we don't always see how God's working. I just had a pastor friend of mine call me. He started a church in, a, in, a, in an outside of a large uh, city a couple of years ago. Took a small, just a couple of people and, and began to build a church and, and begin to work hard and, and begin to labor. And Then they were blessed and they were able to buy some property uh, and they were able to subdivide it. They were going to build a church on part of the property. And so they were gathering up plans and saving up money and getting ready to launch forward. But you see, we don't know what God's doing. And you and I just know that God's mind is on us. I hope you're receiving this today right now. Because I'm going to tell you, I feel the prophetic in this building. You and I don't know what God's doing. God is not going to tell us what he's doing. But he's going to look at us and say, what are you doing? God's working, but I want to know, are you and I working? God's 
God's moving or you and I moving. I know God's plans are great for his people. Are our dreams big? And he called me and he said, hey, I just want to tell you. He said, it's not public because we haven't closed on it. But my church just bought six and a half acres or six point six and a quarter acres with 34,000 square foot of church building on it. And we bought it for $550,000. And it was valued at $1.5 million. Because I'm going to tell you, when God gets to moving, he's not going to tell us what he's doing. He's just going to see what we're doing with what he's given us to do. What are we doing with what God has put in our hands today? Miracles. God has a man and God has a plan. And God wants to knit them together. And he's looking for people that are open to the plan without having all the details. I say this all the time. If God has to explain everything else in detail before we do it, we'll never do anything for God. If we got to know every little dotted I and cross T and comma and where everything stops and starts, and are, are we going to get out of this without a skin up knee or a banged up elbow? We're never going to do anything for God. There's got to be a little risk in this thing. You got to put a little sweat equity in this thing. Sometimes you got to sow in the middle of a drought. Sometimes you got to let the rain wash things away. You can't sit there in the safety of what you and I know. There's a God that's trying to get a people and a plan connected. And he wants to bring it all together. And so he works on the man and he works on the plan. And this is our story. It's the plan and the man coming together. The man is Nehemiah. The plan is, God said, I never give up on people. And Israel may have gone into captivity, but I'm not going to let the devil have the last laugh. Brother and sister, you may feel a little defeated right now, but you can go ahead and throw a hand up in the air and know that I may be in a bad spot, that this is not the end of my story. This is not the final chapter of my life. This is not how things end. God still has a plan for my life. And so God raises up Nehemiah, and he sends him back with the favor of the king. And so we read, when we read Nehemiah, we read, we read about all of the issues. We read about the adversaries, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian. We read about their words. We, we read about their plans. We read about their insidious plots. We, we read about how they, they work against what God is trying to do. I'm going to tell you, just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean that all resistance is gone. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean you can't lose a job unjustly. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean your transmission doesn't blow up. Just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean the doctor doesn't come back and tell you it don't look good. I just want to preach to some people today that are trying to do the will of God. I just want to preach to some people today that are sold out to the will of God. Regardless of what comes, I am committed fully to see the will of God done. So they, they are faced with not only threats, there's threats. You keep doing this, we're going to come. 
Then they attacked our character. I won't go through it all today. They have falsely accused him. You're trying to build a king so you can a kingdom in a city and put up these walls so you can resist the king that gave you the authority. And in all of this, we read about all of these things. We read about the fact that they're building, and so their adversaries begin to go around and tell them, even if they rebuilt it, if a fox jumps on the wall, the wall's going to cave in and fall down. All of these things are going. Do you think that the people of God didn't know what they were saying? Do you think that they didn't hear what they were saying? Did you think they didn't feel the intimidation about what was being spoken about them? Do you think there was never a day that fear came under their heart that said, God, what if, what if the king is lied to and he sends his armies and destroys us again? Do you think they didn't deal with any of that? Oh, brothers and sisters, they did. They dealt with all of it. They faced all of it. They heard all of it. But the story, believe it or not, is never even told in Scripture. All we know was all of the circumstances of this victory. But what really brought the victory was that regardless of what came against those people, they never stopped working. That's Nehemiah. They never stopped working. Come on, shout it out. We never stopped working. Come on, shout it out. We never stopped working. You need to say it loud enough for your discouragement to hear you. You need to say it loud enough for your adversary to hear you. You need to say it loud enough for your doubt to hear you. You need to say it today. I never stopped working. I never stop. I'm going through something, but I'm still working. I'm fighting depression, but I'm still working. I broke, but I'm still working. I am working in spite of everything that's coming against me. people of God just kept working. Let me just share something with you. I wrote it down there that I didn't understand why. I just wrote a bunch of stuff down about Joseph and was writing down what I was feeling. And then I thought, man, what does all this mean? Well, it didn't mean anything to right now. Now it means something. You know, we all talk about Joseph. Joseph, the dreamer, right? Joseph, the dreamer. You know, he had two dreams. And then he spent the rest of his life living a nightmare. He dreamed two things, got sold into slavery, lied on by his boss's wife, thrown in prison, forgot in prison. Dreams will cost you something. You know what? You know what? Having a vision matter. A vision is, is managed by having a vision is ma managed by several things. Number one, it's managed by patience. If you have a vision, just because it doesn't happen in a day, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. A lot of people are going to say this will never happen. This will never happen. Let me tell you, there's been a few people in my church that rose up against me when we were trying to do things, and they said it'll never happen. And I didn't agree with them publicly, but I agreed with them privately. Because I was like, I don't think it's going to happen either. <laughs> We're on the same page, but I don't want anybody to know that. But you know, God proved me and them wrong. Yeah. yeah. They said, you can never build that building, but we've been shouting in that building for 16 years. They said, you'll never get that done, but we filled it up. And Are you ready? We're about to build a new building. 
I'm going to tell you right now, dreams will come with a price, and dreams come with patience. You've got to possess your patience. You've got to walk faithfully before God. Can I just touch on something before we go on? Hebrews chapters 11, chapter 11. I won't read it today, but I'm going to tell you this is what it says about it. And these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but they were persuaded. They saw it afar off. They confessed it. They embraced it. And that's why it happened. It doesn't matter if it happens in my day. God didn't fail. God's still a miracle worker. God can still do great things. I'm going to die in faith before I die in unbelief. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean God didn't do it. I'm going to tell you how you die. You die, like, you die like Joseph died. He died in Egypt. And he told them before he died, he said, listen, listen, God's going to send a deliverer to Israel. We ain't going to always be here. He said it a long time ago. We're coming out of here. And here's what I want you to do. When that deliverer comes and leads us out, will you please dig my bones up and take them with you? Because I died believing the deliverer is coming. I died believing God was going to take me somewhere. I'm looking at somebody right now that will say, I'd rather die in my faith than give up and live in my failure. I'd rather die in my faith than live in my failure. I'd rather die in my faith. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've got to stop listening to what the enemy's going to tell you. God will do it regardless. Hallelujah. But you know, we're all conflicted a little bit. I'll tell you like I tell you at home. Believe it or not, I'm closer to being done than when I started. Give some of you patience. The pot roast won't dry out. Victory is always tainted. With debris. I had a man say one time, he said, if you don't like mud, don't pray for rain. People want revival mess free. That's Disneyland. And it's fake. Yeah. Real revival is going to take some messes. Yeah, you're going to get down and those tears are going to start make some muck bad things that they're going to... Those tears are going to fall on the ground of God's creation. It's going to make some things slippery, and it's going to make some messy things. You're going to have people come in here. Their life's not perfect. It's messed up. That's not you failing. That's the kingdom of God at work. He takes broken things and works it out. Don't hang up your towel and give up. Don't look around and say, man, this is just a bunch of church of misfits. You need to look around and say, God's at work right now. God's doing something right now. There's a miracle in their midst. We've been praying that God would use us. He's using us. Revival is here. There's a mess. There's debris. Some people have a mess in their past. And they're trying to have revival and reconcile the destruction of yesterday with the promise of tomorrow. And how can tomorrow be so perfect when yesterday was so jacked up? I've got I've got a promise from God, but I came out of a I came out of a broken home. I got a promise from God, but I came out of a broken marriage. I I got a promise from God, but I was abused as a child. I I, I got a promise from God, but I've struggled with addiction my whole life. There's a bunch of mess in the middle of a miracle. I just feel like preaching about it for a minute. Here's what you and I need to reconcile. Why should we be intimidated by something that God is not? 
God's not intimidated by your past. In fact, are you ready for this? When you came to the altar, wherever you were, and you lifted your hands and you said, God, I am sorry. I don't want to live like this. I'm ready for a change. Did you know that God blotted out your past? He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, and he does not remember our iniquities and our transgressions anymore. I don't care how black it was. It's gone. I don't care how ugly it was. It's gone. And now when God looks at his people, he doesn't see a bunch of broken, fragmented people. He looks down at us. You know what he sees? Potential. There's potential here. There's potential here. Some of you, self, some of you see yourselves as sheetrock dust and, and two by four pieces and, 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 and all kinds of debris laying around the, the home of your world and your life, and you see yourself. But when God looks down, he doesn't see us like that. He sees us as a seed, a seed that I'm ready to plant, a seed with potential. I, you can, I know you came from some bad stuff, but I'm telling you, you're going to some good stuff. And by the time you get there, you won't even remember what it was like. You'll have a hard time thinking about it. When you testify, you have to pause and dredge up the old broken memory because the, the present day is so beautiful. I'm not just saying words. I'm prophetically telling you, your future is so much better than your past. Your future is so much greater than your past that God is going to blot out the pain. And that God is going to erase the hurt. And God is going to bury the regret. It's the future that matters. It's the future that matters. And there's the past. There's your failures. Are you ready for this? There's other people's failures. Sometimes people die in church spiritually. And they take a couple of people with them. If you live in a victim mentality, you would be victimized. If you live in that mentality of, well, if I just had had a different upbringing, or if I just had a little different health, if I just had a better job, if I, if my car didn't break down every other week, if you, you get victimized even in the church when other people fail, we can't live in a victim mentality. We're not living, listen, we're not living in victimhood. I don't care what society does. They all want to be victims. They glamorize victimhood. They, 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 you're not a human being if you can't get up and say, well, I was taken advantage of and done wrong. I'm telling you, I'm looking around and I'm not a victim. I'm thankful. I don't deserve what I've got. I am blessed. God's been better to me than I deserve. And I'm not going to sit around and gripe. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to look at things. I'm not going to get upset because a wave hits the side of my boat on the way to revival and something gets in with me. I'm not going to stop rowing the boat. I'm telling somebody right now, don't be a victim. Change your mindset. Pray and ask God to touch you. God, I don't want to feel sorry for myself. God, I don't want to feel badly about my past. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be an overcomer. My preaching today does not eliminate the reality of people that were taken advantage of. What my preaching today does is puts a better reality over that. I'm not belittling people that have suffered. I would never make fun or belittle anybody that suffered. 
But I'm going to tell you, you've got to let God's grace work in you. You've got to let God work some things out, refine some things. And so we understand that the miracle, it has messes in it. But in spite of all that, did you know the eyes of the Lord are upon his people? Yeah. Is that if I take my coat off? Is that against the religion? If y'all going to turn up the heat, I'm going to take that coat off. It's right here. I'm not against heat. I'm just more pro-cool than I am hot. God's watching. You know, God watched Nehemiah when he gave him all that favor. Nobody gets anywhere without favor of God, by the way. God gave him all that favor. Gave him the letters from the king. Said, go. Everywhere he went, he held out letters to people. They didn't even want to cooperate, but they had to because the king said so. You know, God will put somebody in your church's life that don't even want to help you, but they have to. Because the king's favor will be upon you. I'm just checking to see if it's a real conviction or if it was just a song on your wall. Just checking to see if it's a song on your wall or a conviction in your heart. God's favor was upon him. His eye was upon him. And so what seemed like setbacks was setups. You know, at the end of the day, no matter what their adversaries did, God gave him the victory. But let me tell you why God gave him the victory. We can rejoice over God giving him the victory, but there's a reason why. And the reason is this, that what God put in their hand to do, they did it. What God puts in your hand to do, if you want the favor of God, if you want overcoming power that no devil in hell can stop you, you got to do what God has put in your hands to do. You can't sit around. I can't sit around. I can't, I can't wait for a better time. I can't wait for the right revival. I can't wait for the right Bible study. I can't wait till I get in the right house or apartment. I can't wait for my friend to pray through. I've been, I can't wait. God has put something in my hands. And I'm telling you right now that God has put something in your hands. It's in your hands, brother. It's in your hands, sister. And I'm asking you tonight, what this day, what are you going to do with God? God put in your hand. Now I got to talk about the size of things, the size of miracles. Size of miracles. Yeah, miracles that are bigger than you and I. The size of a miracle. One tiny little smooth stone was Israel's triumph over the Philistines. That's small, right? A couple of little fishes and loaves fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And there were baskets of fragments gathered up. Twelve would typify the apostolic church. God's got more than enough and left over. 
But there is no miracle if David doesn't realize the cause is greater than his intimidation. And his faith was not without fear. Because you see, when he faced the bear and the lion, he wasn't fearless. He was just faithful. Because faithfulness will drive you to do things that you can't do. Because you don't want to fail God. You'll do things that you're not qualified to do simply because I want God to be pleased with me. And so I'm going to stretch myself. I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to do this. David kills Goliath because a long time before he was willing. Everybody say willing. willing. There's a difference between being willing and qualified. He was willing, not qualified. He was willing, not capable. He was willing. There was nothing that God would ask of this church. That he needs anything more from any one of us than just willingness. Just willingness. Just willingness. Let's compare the two children of faith in the scripture. One you know, John the Baptist. Elizabeth could have no children, was barren, and yet God miraculously touches her. She has a child. And he is a baby, a miracle in her womb. And her attitude towards it is what determines the outcome of his ministry. Bear with me, because... Whenever the angel comes and says, you're going to call his name John, his father says, no, we're going to give him a family name because we like miracles, but we want to put our spin on it. And God said, no, this is my miracle. You'll name him what I name him, what I want to name him. You'll call him what I want. And are you ready? And if you don't agree, I'll shut your mouth. And if you don't agree with what I'm speaking into your spirit right now, you won't say anything till I'm done. Now, Elizabeth has a husband. They have a marriage. Let's leap over to the other child of faith. And an angel appears to Joseph and to Mary two different times and tells Mary, who was a young girl, engaged to be married, the baby in you is of God. And starts prophesying. He's going to save his people from his sins. You're going to call his name this. He's going to be that. And here's this little, she looks at that angel and says, how can that be? I, I'm not married. I've never been with a man. He says, don't worry about it. The Holy Ghost will take care of everything. And the Holy Ghost overshadows her. And when the angel tells her all these fantastic things, you ready? No husband, no married life. What is about to happen is going to tarnish her reputation. And theologians and historians will tell you, that until Jesus' ministry ended at the ascension, his family had a black eye in the region. There was always people questioning. Jesus is born of a woman that looks at the promise and says, Be it unto me according to thy word. John is born of someone that says, We want to control this thing. We want to have a say-so in how this goes. 
we only want a certain, a certain class of people in this church. We want yuppies. Yeah, we want the middle class. We, we'll get the upper class later because we'll teach them how to seminars and they'll get rich. And so then we'll have the rich church and people like that. God says, you'll have nothing. In fact, I'll silence your voice. I'll shut up your praise. I'll shut up your influence. Nobody will hear you. But when a church looks down and says, God, you promised us growth and we'll take whatever growth looks like. We'll take it if it comes out of the gutter. We'll take it if it comes out of the penthouse. We don't care if it comes from the down and up or the up and out or the down and out. Just send a your harvest be it unto us according to thy word not according to my will but according to your plan let your will be done let your kingdom come and I'm, I'm closing sister hood if you'd come and here's the difference John the Baptist was rated labeled by scripture as the greatest prophet that had ever walked the face of the earth. That's what the Bible said. There was none greater. Elijah wasn't greater. Elisha wasn't greater. Nehemiah wasn't greater. Uh, Isaiah wasn't greater. Jeremiah wasn't greater. Nobody was greater than John the Baptist. And yet, you will find out of him not one miracle. Not one. But Jesus is the child of faith. And out of Jesus, miracles still continue until November 7th, 2021. Because, because it depends on how you respond to your promise. So, let me ask you a question in closing today. How big a promise do you want? And if God gives it to you, how are you going to respond to it? It's a question that has to be settled, folks. All my luggage is in my truck. I can drive out. I can go home. You don't have to like me. I'm leaving. But I'm going to tell you what. God sent me all the way up here to tell you this. He's looking for people that will be harnessed to the vision. He's looking for people that will say, Pastor, whatever you feel, we're with you. I've already told you what I say. You have to respond and determine. I tell you what I tell my church at home. You don't respond to make me feel good. You don't respond to make me feel like I'm preaching good. You respond to take possession of what you hear being preached. You take it. You respond because you say, I want that. That's why you're supposed to say amen. That's why the that's that's why I said amen, amen. Amen is so be it. There has to be a positive affirmation to the word of God. Because the word of God is not a story. It's not a fairy tale. It's alive right now. Even the message I'm preaching to you is alive. It's moving. It's stirring. It's stirring things in your spirit right now. Because it's alive. It's stirring glimmers of faith and hopes and dreams and visions. And I just tell you that God will challenge you. He will challenge you in more ways than one. In 2005, you can stand, I'm done. I'm just going to make a little altar call here, but I'm going to tell you a story before I do. 2005, we finished the new auditorium. God blessed us. It was a beautiful thing. 
It was full of struggle, like on an epic level. But God overcame and gave us the victory. I got in there, and about five or six years ago, somebody said, Brother Shoemaker, you think you would ever build another building? And I said, are you crazy? No. I'm done. The next generation can build it. I already built my building. And about two months later, after I got through telling God what I was going to do and not do, a preacher came through and was preaching and turned around and said, this isn't the last building you're going to build. I was like, thanks, God. I'm going to tell you what it taught me. Don't ever tell God when it's enough. He's, He's not giving us this opportunity. So we can be egotistical and say, look what we have done. It's a reflection of the size of his work in his kingdom. Your building only reflects the very incubated dreams and visions. We don't walk in the fullness of the vision. You know, I go back. When Brother Bobo came up here, he didn't walk in the fullness of vision. He walked in what God told him to do. And when he was done, he left. And then Brother, Brother Buxton came and he walked in what God told him to do. And then he moved on to where God wanted him. And now Brother and Sister Hood are coming in here. And they're walking in what God has told them to do. Now my question to you is simply this. Are you walking in what God told you to do? Are you really, can I just preach what I feel in my spirit? I'm going to tell you, are you really paying tithes or are you just tipping God? Are you really paying tithes with scriptural integrity, knowing that God knows all about your finances? Or are you just giving what you think will keep the pastor at bay? I don't tell people to pay tithes because I need your money. I don't work for you. Neither does your pastor. He doesn't work for you. He works for God. You understand, you could all freeze up and not pay one dime tithe, and they would never miss a meal. They'd never miss a bill. You understand? They'd have new clothes when you couldn't afford them because you were cursed. Walking in the vision is walking in obedience, not just in the supernatural. It's walking in obedience in the natural, too. We all want God to give us a word of prophecy. Give me a word from heaven. But God's already given us words. It's in our Bible. Are you obeying that? Are you really paying tithe with integrity? Is God getting 10% of your increase Or is he getting the 10% when you've let the government and your retirement and your 401k and you funded every other little deal and and then you give God the 10% of what the rest of the world didn't want to take? Well, I tell you, I feel this right now, so I hope it's okay, Brotherhood. He can fix it when I'm gone, but I think God's fixing some of you right now while I'm here. Integrity. I didn't even get to that. Dreams require integrity. Did you know that my paying tithes is nothing more than me showing up and saying, I'm still the man of integrity that you thought I was? And did you know that paying tithes is not even giving? 
Paying tithes isn't giving. Paying tithes is being obedient. You haven't started giving until you take your money. Because the tithe is the Lord's. It's not ours to begin with. Folks, I pay tithes. My wife can witness this. We, we don't pay tithes on what is done. We pay tithes on our gross income. We pay offerings on our gross income. We pay every week. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you. Well, I practice what I preach. We give 17.5% of our income. And then we still pay taxes. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like for anything in this world. God has been good to me. I'm not rich. I've never wanted to be rich. I just want the blessings of God on me. I want to walk in the blessing and favor of God. You know what I feel to tell this church right now? If you'll obey in your finances, uh, the future of your church uh, is closer than you've ever imagined. You know what, tight, and I, believe it or not, I know some of you get uncomfortable because they say, well, you know, the church is only interested in money. And Ford Motor Company's worried about your grass. Hardly. The whole world wants your money because they want to take it from you and give nothing in return. I'm preaching about money because I want you to live the blessed life. And if I can get you into God's financial program, I'm going to tell you, you'll have more money, you'll have more blessing, you'll have more enablement, to, not to make you rich and get you off track, but to be a blessing, a greater blessing. Here come on, Genesis chapter 12. We are blessed to be a blessing. It's the will of God this church be blessed. You, you, you be blessed. And all paying tithes does. This is what the scripture said. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I didn't get this out of some fantasy fairy tale book. I didn't get this out of Snow White and the Seven Doors. You know what all paying tithes does? The Bible said it rebukes the devourer. You want to protect your money? Pay your tithes. You want to pay. I'm living this right now. I feel like telling you something. It's personal, so you can't tell anybody else. I know nothing about the stock market. I know nothing. But I opened up a Roth IRA several years ago and started putting money in. I thought I'd start, you know, playing the stock market. I was smart enough to ask questions of people that didn't know what they were doing. And so I started asking them. And then I just started praying. I said, God, I don't know. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth right now. I said, God, I don't know anything about, about the stock market. Would you just give me the wisdom to know? Because you know what's good. And I'm telling you standing here right now that God has helped me. I showed my children, just pulled it up and showed them and said, can you believe this? I can't believe it. In the last year, the blessings of God have been on me so much that my, my little old IRA has made 50%. The average is 10 you know what that's called? Blessings. You know, you know why you're sowing, you're working overtime? You know, you're beating your brain against the wall to try to get it. And you don't understand that it's a simple process to walk in prosperity. Just do what you know to do. Listen, Liz, Elizabeth, don't try to tell God what to do with your money. Be merry and just lay the checkbook on the table and say it. Be it unto thee according to thy word, God. I'm going to pay tithes and offering. Am I telling you that there's never going to be a struggle? No, we've struggled. But I'm going to tell you what, I've never starved. Can't you tell? 
I've never been without, can't you tell? There's been times God tested me to see if I'd be faithful. And I just stayed faithful because I didn't know what else to do. And here I am standing here. Forgive me for using my personal, my personal story as a witness today. I'm just trying to help somebody step up in faith. The devil's still a liar. The devil's still a liar. He wants some of you thinking. Let me preach, let me preach to the day of small things. I talked about small things. You'll never, you'll never, ever, ever know what it's like to pay tithes on a million dollars until you can pay tithes on a dollar. So same thing, same thing. And I'm telling this and I'm done. This is only to challenge this church. But there was a very a, a, a man in a church in another state. Both these men were actually in two different states. And one of them had started an insurance company that a very, very large insurance company came to him and said, we want to buy your insurance company. And it was tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars. They bought it from him. And he took that money and he invested it and he walked down to the bank and paid tithes to his pastor and paid their church off. And so he's living in this life of blessing. He's, he's still faithful to church. His wife, if you were to go to that church today, you'd never even know this man. Flies out to Carmel and plays golf on Pebble Beach with his buddies and live in, stay in their houses. He's apostolic. You go to his church and he's the guy serving you food when there's fellowship at the church. And so there was another man, a man in his church came up. Well, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, Brother Hood. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Another man had, a, had, a, had an idea of a business and he was in another state. And, and he started the business in his garage. And he worked hard. And did you know a company came in and paid him hundreds of millions of dollars for this business? And his pastor called this other man's pastor that had had this insurance company by his business and said, I want you to fly out. I'd like for that brother in your church to just talk to this brother in his church, in my church, about, about faithfulness. So he goes out and he talks to him. And they leave and they go home and the pastor and him are flying out together. They, they fly back home. They get there. He never says one thing. And a few days later, he remembered. Oh, yeah, you talked to that guy. He said, hey, brother. He said, when you talked to that other brother, he said, what did you tell him? He said, well, pastor, it's easy. I just told him, write the check. Just write the check. And did you know that man didn't? I am telling you a true story. I would never lie in the house of God. I wouldn't lie anyway, but I especially wouldn't lie standing behind a pulpit. That man lost it all. Because you know, that's not a threat. That's just to help you understand. When you don't pay your tithes, you throw the door open to the devourer and say, come take it all. And I'm just trying to tell you that having a vision, being harnessed to a vision, requires not only that we come to the house of God and be faithful to God, and that we worship and pray and live a godly life, and that we be witnesses and testimonies to other of God's amazing grace in our life. But it requires that we walk in obedience in the natural things too. And the Holy Ghost won't make you write a tithe check. You have to write it out on your own. And if you want to be harnessed to this vision, I'm just challenging some of you right now to step your giving up and watch God. You just watch God. This is the last one. I didn't mean to tell all this, but I got to tell it. His brother called me a couple of years ago and said, Pastor, can you meet for a cup of coffee? I said, absolutely. 
We met over near his office. He was in the tech industry. He said, Pastor, i got to tell you my story. I said, okay. He said, you remember when I came into church? I said, yeah. He said, I was making $18 an hour. I was a, I was a part-time contractor with a tech firm. I was making $18 an hour. He said, I came from a Presbyterian background. He said, the background was if, if we had an extra $5 and, and we happened to be in church that day, we'd probably just throw that $5 in the offering plate. Just, oh, yeah, man, we're generous. He said, but I kept hearing you get up there and talk about tithe and offering and missions. You ought to be glad you don't come to my church. Because I believe it. I preach it. And God blesses us. And my, my response is, why wouldn't you want to be blessed? And he said, I listened to you preach it. He said, I thought to myself, I'm going to try that. He said, I started paying tithes, offerings, and missions on every check. And he said, did you know, within about two months, they called me in and said, Steve, we're going to make you a, 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 a full-time contractor, and we're going to start you at $70,000 a year. And he said, you know what, I just kept doing what you'd been preaching. And he said, they called me in about a year later and said, you know, we're going we're to make you a permanent employer, and we're going to give you $120,000 a year. And he said, Pastor, I just wanted to have coffee with you today to tell you that I just left my meeting with my supervisor. And he said, my package this year in total pay is $385,000. And church, can I tell you this? He just got hired on by a bigger company, and they gave him a substantial raise. And you know where it came from? He paid tithes. And I know you're all sitting around going, oh, yeah, and at Disneyland, they got a mouse too. I'm not talking about mice. I'm talking about people that harness themselves to the vision and say, God, this is not just going to be something I do when I come to church. This is going to be something in the way that I live. The way I conduct my life is going to represent my buying into this vision. I wonder one right now, before we move any further, I wonder if you could just lift up your hands all over this building. Close your eyes. I don't want you to lift your voice right now. And I want you to just reach out in faith. Just, I've told you some fantastic stories. These are miracles, absolute miracles. Would you just lift up your voice and lift up your hands and say, God, I'm not asking you to do anything more for me than what you had planned on doing. I just want to walk in faithfulness. I want to walk in faithfulness. I want to walk in faithfulness. Come on, some of you that have been faithful, can I just encourage you? God is not overlooking your faithfulness. God has watched your faithfulness. God will bless this church. God will fulfill his promises. He's faithful. I'm going to ask them to start singing as they sing. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to just make your way down to this front this morning or this afternoon and lift up your hands and say, God, I've bought into this vision. God, I'm harnessed to what you want to do. I'm not going to stand back. I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to step out and I'm going to walk to this front and stand as a consecration to you and to your will, God. I want your blessings. I want your favor. And most of all, God, I want your purpose fulfilled in my life. If you feel that way, come as Sisterhood begins to sing.
God's just looking for partners today. God's looking for partners. Come on, as she sings, why don't you lift up your hands and say, God, I want to be a part of it, God. I want to be a part of it, God. still get connected to somebody reach over to the person next to you and begin to pray with them we want to be a part of your plan God we want to be a part of your plan God the hand of God is on you right now church you're not earning the favor of God the favor of God is already on you it's already on you just walk in it come on walk in it be committed to it